It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, guys, you know what time it is. Blue White Breakdown time. I'm Bob Flounders. Joined by Dave Jones. It's Penn State Rutgers Week. Dave, before I throw it to you, I just I feel compelled to say this. I just wanted to welcome the newest addition to the Penn State Penn Live football family. Joe Hermit, our ace photographer, has gotten a puppy. They, he's gonna name him Mojo. Uh, I kind of I kind of like the name, but Joe's got a new puppy. If you guys are interested, you can you can learn all about him on Facebook. I've seen some videos. Our our boy Joe is very happy. I'm happy for him. Dave, you're a big dog guy as well, and I know you're happy for Joe too. Well, you know, I was talking to a, a couple of a friends. I talked some. So, so Joe's been talking to some people, <laughs> and um, you know, when you lose a dog, and and the hermits just did, there's a different length of grieving process for different people, and some people need months and other people they just can't do without a dog for very long and i think what's it only been three or four weeks but a pretty quick turnaround when you when you get get home at at night or whenever you come home and there's nobody to greet you there's is there anything more depressing i mean after you've had that before it's just it's it's awful so i'm really happy for joe it's gonna be great mojo hermit just keep, stay tuned on Facebook for the adventures of the little rascal. He's only eight weeks old. We're still trying to figure out what kind of dog he is. He's got about four or five different kinds of dog in him. So I we'll think he's got out. Roddy in him. Don't you? I don't know. Here's a segue for you. Speaking, speaking of, of dogs. Speaking of grieving, Penn State Rutgers this week. Penn State's lost four of its last five. They're a prohibitive favorite against the Greg Shianos. At the beginning of the year, Dave, you thought that Rutgers might be a team that, because of what Greg's able to do and what he's only in his second year, might be a team that can cause problems and win some games in the Big Ten. They're five and five. Your other preseason pick, I just want to let you know, Brett Bilema has COVID. So hopefully, uh, hopefully, I think he's out for this week, but he's he's pulled off some uh, pretty big efforts this year, too. Why what do, do you, you, why make do you of- consistently mispronounce his name on purpose? Is it so you? He can hurt you. I know. Um, I know. Right. What do you make a Shiano? I see the same kind of program. You know, they're they're experienced coaches who know where they went back to. Bielem is an Illinois guy. I mean, he grew up as the son of a pig farmer in Illinois. <laughs> You'd never guess, would you? <laughs> I'm going to let you comment on that, but yes. Who knew he played nose guard? Who would have ever you know, thought it's, it's that pig harvesting season right now? 
And, you know, Shiano knows all about Jersey. He already coached that team before. So I saw them as, as kind of like entities. I probably should have picked them both fourth instead of third. They are enduring. You know, they have teams that are clearly still bought in, even though they've had some horrific seasons they are still both in there punching. In fact, Rutgers yeah. went into Illinois after Illinois' big upset of Penn State sure. and finally won their first game, which which I did. I, I, I got that much right. Then, you know, they got pummeled by Wisconsin at home, and you think, well, they got to be done. No, they go back and win another yeah. road game. They've won a couple of road games here. Right. So in the constant text of Penn State, what you want to know is, are they still playing? Are they still playing hard? Do they still care? Do they still want to play? And clearly they do. And I don't know how you feel, but I can't think of an example of it's not who you play, it's when you play them right. more than this game. Am, yep. I, am I wrong there? No, you are correct, especially given the fact that Sean Clifford took about half a season's worth of a beating in the Michigan game. Uh, Jahan Dotson got shaken up. Uh, I think pretty significantly on the final possession. So if those guys are less than a hundred percent, or even if they wouldn't play, I don't have any indication that they won't, but that's just, they just, as James said, they don't have any playmakers on offense that if you, you got a limited Dotson and the quarterback's limited, who's trying to get him the ball. I mean, it's a recipe for big trouble against just about anyone. Rutgers, by the way, knocked the second stringer out of the game from Indiana and Indiana is just a pitiful case right now. They had that schedule that just uh, knocked the crack out of them all season. Um, But their second stringer was in there. uh, Penix is backup and he got hit in the ribs. Uh, They put the third stringer in. He was ineffective. They finished with the fourth stringer and Rutgers was just running guys at them. They really have nothing to lose. And I could expect that kind of, tactic against Penn State that they just start running guys at Clifford Wilson yeah. Clifford's playing but but getting back to Franklin's Zoom call I thought it was yeah. interesting on a couple of occasions Go when ahead. he was asked I think I think Mike Gross asked him uh, don't you have to be aware of the emotional level of your team yeah. at this point and he said yeah you got to be realistic we're not robots you have to be aware <laughs> of it I wasn't trying to do that. I just kind of lapsed into it. <laughs> it's taking over your life, Dave. Your James Franklin impersonation is taking over. Do you do it to your dog? Do you do James Franklin to your dog, Kaiser? That'll be the next Mike Kern where I say, I'm going to howl at you, man. Everyone in my family says, shut up with that. He, he, he knows. Plus, you've got all the noise with his career still going on, his future. I yep. guess maybe that will die down. Bruce Feldman was writing about the Wisconsin job. His name didn't come up. Can you believe that? Uh, apparently, Wisconsin, Washington. Did yeah. I say Wisconsin? Yeah. yeah. Washington. Washington job. Um, they're apparently interested in the Brigham Young coach. Mm-hmm. So has his, his has the shine come off of Franklin as far as a candidate for other jobs? And at some point here in the near future, will he uh, claim devotion to dear old state again? I think. That would be interesting. To well, watch. don't you think, Dave, he kind of did with his answer to Corey's question about his track record and how he handles stuff during his eight years here? It's come up in the past and he's always handled it the same way. I mean, I kind of thought that was a little bit of that. And if it's not, Dave, he, you have a nice little quote teed up for if he leaves about 
his loyalty to Penn State. I mean, I thought that was pretty funny. To me, he's 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 always talking about his record in the past yeah. when he answers this question. Yeah. And he said, uh, we've been in this situation before and people are trying to connect the dots and everything yeah, I'm able to control, I'm controlling. You know, people will just want to say, want him to say, yeah. yeah, I'm coming back to Penn State next year if they'll have me. That's all they want. But A, he wanted to canvas the entire college football landscape, see, see if there was anything he fit into. Mm-hmm. And B, he wants as many upgrades in infrastructure and facilities as he can possibly get. So it's a bargaining chip. Yeah. It's, it's leverage. All of a sudden now he's a little out of leverage. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, if you don't win, you don't have any leverage in any of it. And yet, I'm, I'm looking for the quote there on all the infrastructure. He, he very strongly implied again that he wants improvements in, in those, in yep. those realms. And that, that was, well, I forget what the question was. The question was about how can you, how can you do better against uh, ranked teams, which right. uh, what are they two and 13 against? I don't know all the stats. It's, I think a, pretty, it's, it's a pretty brutal number. Yeah. Yeah. Know that. And he said, we've done some really good things. We've got to get better. I think this is the most competitive sport in college athletics. You have to be willing to commit 365 days a year. And, and, and he didn't just mean on Saturdays. He said, in, you have to be yeah. able to commit in areas with what everyone else is doing in all areas in 2021. Yeah. So I don't know if that's going to fly with the rank and file when you're sure. six and four heading for right. seven and five or maybe even six and six. You know, if they lose to Rutgers, all bets are off on everything. I have heard that there is no way they'll fire him. They don't want to eat his contract without cause. But if, if he lost to Rutgers, what do you think? I mean, things get going downhill mighty quickly. Yes. Yeah. I, I wanted to talk about at his press conference on Saturday after the game, you were in the Michigan uh, locker room, get some good stuff uh, from Aiden Hutchinson and Jim Harbaugh and those guys. And, uh, but he was asked about, he, he talked about, Hey, you know, essentially he said without Jahan Dotson, there, there's really no other explosive playmakers on the team. And he's, he's pretty accurate about that. He kind of circled back on that and said, no, Parker Washington's done some things for us. It's really about our run game. We've had opportunities for big plays and we haven't made them. I kind of agree a little bit with that, but I look at the roster and I look at the runners that he has, and I'm not sure that I see an explosive back. What did you make out of that? Uh, I did notice a couple of plays, and I said some stuff to you yeah. in the press box where it looked like guys had a crease and they just have no burst, man. Right. Whether that's from being beat up or whatever. But yeah. these, he had a whole room full of four-star running backs yeah. at one time. What's sure. become of this guy? Yeah. Well, guys? I mean. Is that, is that development? A little bit like the quarterback position, Dave. I think there's a pretty big difference between a four-star running back and a five-star running back. And really, since he's been at Penn State, you know, Saquon Barkley was was perceived as a four-star running back that actually Bill O'Brien recruited first. Um, I think the Michigan game in 2013 was really what got the ball rolling for Penn State and Barkley. But there's no question he was undervalued as a four-star. He was, you know, a five-star, high five-star talent. 
Miles Sanders was regarded by some people as a five-star recruit, the kid from Western PA. But you take those two off the table, and they just have had some running backs. You know, Journey Brown, we're never really going to know how good Journey Brown was. He was only a three-star. But a lot of these guys, these four-stars, they're they're good enough to get three and four yards of carry, five yards of carry, but they're not good enough, Dave, to turn a six-yard gain into a 25-yard gain, which is something – that Barkley and I think even Miles Sanders could do. Barkley was a first round pick in the NFL. Miles Sanders was a second round pick, but these guys, I just don't, you don't see it. And and he even talked about it. They can't make anyone miss. And yet those guys, Sanders and Barkley did it with crap offensive lines. Yes. Yes. They could make guys miss though. Yeah. Yeah. They did it with different substandard offensive lines by and large, which do you do? Do you upgrade it seems to me like their offensive lines, man, they got a lot of guards in there. They're not really recruiting big, badass tackles that I ha- right. can see. I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, and Dave, I think I think in the offseason, something we might want to re- we might want to talk to with some former Penn State guys that are analysts, somebody like Matt Millen. I just wonder if the way that you coach an offensive line in an RPO offense. It limits their ability, Dave, to be kind of aggressive because get downhill, right? You can't, you can't get too far past the line of scrimmage to try and finish a guy. The quarterback's throwing the ball. That's that's an illegal play, is it not? So I just wonder if maybe that works a little bit. It's not an excuse because it's not. It's really not just. It's not really just Penn State's that's struggling to run the run the ball. I mean, unless you have a fantastic running back like Kenneth Walker or the Henderson kid at Ohio state. I mean, those guys can make people miss those guys can run over guys. And it's just, it's, I think the offensive line play when it comes to the running game, it's just different now. And it's, it's not just at Penn state. You see it at Iowa, you even see it at Wisconsin. Those guys, I mean, that, that, that freshman running back is a great player, but those guys, you know, they kind of wear teams down, you know, it's, you look at the end of the day and they've run 48 times, for 240 yards, but there's a lot of two and three yard gains early in the game. My problem with Penn State is their offense is that I don't see an identity here. I don't, they've, they've, they've switched identities. And if you're going to get great offensive linemen or great running backs and enough of them where you can make a mistake, you have to build an identity. Who has the identity to run the ball? Well, clearly right. Wisconsin always has. So right. they get a kid like Braylon Allen, the, the teenager you're talking about, who I don't believe is is 18 even yet. And he's been a phenomenon. Yeah. He, he, if you talk about one player who has turned around a, a team season, it's Braylon Allen with Wisconsin. They, yeah. were, they were dead in the water. They were 1-3, yeah. and 0-2. Oh and, and since he has started playing, he didn't play against Penn State. He right. barely played the first four games. He's had six 100-yard yeah. games in the last six well, Wisconsin's offensive line is always pretty good, even right. though they're not outstanding this year. You put a back like that together with them, all of a sudden you got a great running game. Who else? Yeah. Minnesota. Minnesota lost Mo Ibrahim, and they just keep rolling guys out there. Now, you can say Minnesota has overemphasized the running game, and I would agree with you. Tanner Morgan has kind of been ruined because Pep Boy – he doesn't value the – he tries to gum games to death, and he doesn't value the passing game enough. I thought Tanner Morgan was a really good quarterback, and all of a sudden he's kind of been uh, right. marginalized, and they they have not balanced enough. And then the third example would be Michigan. You had two really good running backs 
and Blake Corum and Hassan Haskins who give you different things. Yeah. And even without Corum, they were able to wear down Penn State. And to me, those are the three examples outside of Ohio State, which has everything. Right. Of, 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 of teams that have emphasized a personality and have continued it. You know who they are. Penn State, they, they don't, yeah. they don't, maybe they don't get those players because they don't work on this personality. Dave, I didn't, you know, I, I haven't had a chance to really see a lot of that Wisconsin freshman running back, but I'll say this that performance by Hassan Haskins against Penn State is about as good as I've seen. Uh, by by an opposing running back the last few years, not only as a runner, but he made some plays as a receiver. That third and 13 catch he made, you called it out of the backfield. You said it was going to be a nothing pass play. He he got 15 yards out of it. He made Brandon Smith. He got by him. That was a big play in the game. I think he is absolutely a, a first-team All-Big Ten candidate just based on what I saw because, man, that guy runs hard. He got he got, I thought he got stronger as the game went on. And I, I was very impressed by Hassan Haskins. Very it was like you were watching football from 40 years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, yeah. that was a he game. From, tired. He never got tired. He wore down the defense. Yeah. You know, so many, so many running backs, they get worn down these days. You don't have any guys like Lorenzo White anymore yeah. or, or even Rufus Ferguson. There were guys in the Big Ten who would carry 35, 40 times a game. That was common. Yeah. Bill Mallory had a ton of guys at, at Indiana who did that. Anthony Thompson. Um, Anthony Thompson. There you go. It's like we were watching one of those games from the 70s that was out of Woody Hazer and then his protege, ben, Bo Schembechler, who is the mentor of Jim Harbaugh, where they, they looked at football as a test of wills and a test of who is going to make the game in their style. Yeah. And, man, they didn't have much going on the ground for the first quarter and a half, really pretty much the first half. And then they came out at the beginning of the second half and they established the running game. You could almost hear Ray Scott in the background. They're (laughs) establishing the running game in order to throw the ball. But that's that's what worked. And next thing you know, Caden McNamara is getting a a 47 yard game winning play after about five different running plays with Hassan Haskins. Uh, I don't don't remember if that was play action, but the the point is it was a little crossing route that busted because everyone was up on defense for Penn State. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. It's the Blue White Breakdown, uh, Penn Live's Penn State Football Podcast. I'm Bob Flounders with Dave Jones. Dave, can I, I and I mean this in all sincerity, because I just get a kick out of it, and you've referenced it a bunch of times. Can you please, in a couple of minutes, could you just tell the Jim Harbaugh story you have from 2015? Because you keep referencing the Woody Hayes thing, and I, I crack up every time you do it. But I just want the Penn State fans, can you just tell that story real quick so when you say something like that, they're going to be able to laugh too? Well, I think, I think I've told it before. Oh, yeah? People are probably sick of it, but I don't, I don't know. Maybe I just keep referencing it and don't really tell it. Yeah. After the 2015 game, what, what was that score? 27 28-16. 28-16. I'm trying to compliment him, but I mean, I thought, I thought they played a very 
attentive game for what could have been an emotional valley. They had just played a double overtime game against Indiana. Oh, right. 48-41 against Kevin Wilson's team at Indiana. And they were going to play, of course, the, the game against Ohio State at home. And you would think this is this is an emotional valley week, maybe. And yet they came out and were all about their business and played hard and attentively all Being game. They, they were focused. And so my 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 was probably the second or third question. And I said, you know, Woody Hayes used to say that you can only get your team really emotionally at a peak level. And you don't really try to do it anyway, but you can only get them at a peak level about half the games in the season. And yet you guys, and he broke in. He said, Woody Hayes never said that. <laughs> and half of, it, half of it, I think, was that Harbaugh was really kind of feeling his oats at that point. It was his first year at Michigan. Everyone was welcoming back, you know, the favorite son to Ann Arbor. He had given that really obtuse, uh, kind of prickish interview with Colin Coward. You remember that? Like in July? Well, he, it was. He was just, Colin Coward just finally gave up and he was trying to softball in questions. And he was given these like six word obscure answers that didn't mean anything, like trying to test him. He was pretty happy with himself at that point. And I think he's been humbled since then. And sure. you don't you don't see him do that kind of crap anymore. But at that point, he was feeling pretty good about himself. And uh, I think they had only lost to you. They lost to Utah and Michigan State. They'd only had two losses. They think they're they were nine and two after that Penn State win. Yeah. He goes, Woody Hayes never said that. <laughs> I'm, I'm like in the first row. I'm looking right at him. I'm as close to him as anyone can be. And I said, you know, I said, well, yeah, he did. I'm older than you are. I grew up in Columbus and I know damn well he did. But, you know, if you don't want to answer the question, go on. He goes, well, I'm just I'm just I'm kind of mystified about it. And it's like, OK, next. I said, next question. Then. And, so and he tried to give me a halfway answer because, but, you know, I am older than he is. And I know damn well that Woody Hayes said it, but because he was Bo Beckler's protege, somehow he knew what, what it comes down to is sometimes these guys, as we all do, need to be humbled. And I think he has been. He had to take a new contract. Uh, this before this last year. I think there's some parallels actually with James Franklin too, because everyone last year, you remember how everyone was feeling about Harbaugh last year at this time? Everyone was saying, well, something has to happen here. Something's going to happen. Will they can him? What's going to happen? Is he going to leave and go back to the NFL? Like, like something had to happen. I think a lot of, and I said at the time, I don't think anything's going to happen. I don't think Michigan has a di- another answer. This is their big bet. And I'm not sure he has anywhere else to go. And what happened? Nothing. Wade Manuel, you know, essentially kind of renegotiated his contract a little bit, but mm-hmm. nothing did happen. And I think I'm leaning in the direction right now that maybe nothing will happen with James Franklin, even though we've been preparing, oh. rightly so, for something to happen for the same reasons. Maybe nothing happens here because. Both parties don't really have that great an option. If you, if you were going to replace Franklin, I mean, I know damn well they're not going to fire him unless they lose to Rutgers, which then everything everything's out the window. Yeah, I, I am very, very, very much. I'm pretty sure they're not going to fire him. So, and is anyone is is he really attractive to anybody else at this point? Yeah, I mean Washington, I don't think so. Florida. 
would they hire him? I don't, yeah, I don't think so. And USC looks like it might be out the window. So neither party really has many options. That's my point. Dave, there's two points I want to get to before we close this out. One is we were talking about uh, Penn State running backs in the 2022 class. They do have an incoming five-star running back from Pennsylvania named Nick Singleton. So that could be a guy that could get this running game uh, up to speed a lot quicker without maybe a demonstrative improvement from this offensive line, depending on what it looks like. This kid is considered maybe one of the top one or two running back recruits in the country. He's putting up all kinds of numbers in state, but it is Pennsylvania prep football. It's not Florida or Texas or California, but that's something that uh, we'll be monitoring, I think, going into the 2022 season. And I just, I know, I just have to ask you about this because James Franklin is so meticulous, I think, in his preparation for press conferences. And it's really weird when he's not prepared. So when he was distracted earlier this season about, I think after the Illinois loss, he forgot who they were playing. That kind of, that threw you for a loop, I know. And it threw me for a loop. But today, so Jordan Stout was just named Big Ten Special Teams Player of the Week for the third time after the Michigan game. And he called the Rutgers punter the best punter in the nation and in the Big Ten. And I was just like, did you just throw Jordan Stout under the bus or what? I didn't notice that at the time because. I couldn't believe it. You're right. You're right. Adam Korsak is believable. Oh, I know he's good. The, the best in the. Yeah, Why would you, you say do that? that? You don't do that, do you? I, I didn't. It, 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 I've heard so much about Corsac all year. It didn't actually occur to me, but you're right. Um, that's kind of like, I mean, for God's sakes, last week he was calling a, a Penn State's helmet the most iconic in, uh, in college know. football when they're preparing to play Michigan. So they can, you could certainly, he could certainly uh, pump Jordan Stout uh, <laughs> over Corsac. I, I don't know. You caught me by surprise with that because it didn't. I have an old Big Ten vote now. What am I supposed to do? Like, what am I supposed to do? James Franklin just called him the best punter in the country. (laughs) What do I do? Maybe, uh, maybe it's a challenge. Maybe it's a. (laughs) Maybe he meant it uh, to. I I don't know. Stout's been really good, so I don't know what Stout did wrong. Yeah. Uh, Anything else from you today on James? Anything else you want to get to? Are you good? I want to see what happens with this Rutgers game because, you know, Keith Sargent from NJ.com has already picked Rutgers. Woo! He's not, ex- not exactly a homer. What's my what's, Tim Curley for you? What's the line? Seven. <laughs> Do it again. <laughs> Woo! 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 Uh, I think it's up to 18 now. Oh no, it's, no, it opened at 18. Now it's at 17. All right. Well, what are you, what are you going to do? I'm I'll, I'll take those points. I think what you said is true. I think. When you talk about Greg Schiano and you talk about he is, you know, he is he's gotten a lot of uh, I think he's learned a lot of the game from Bill Belichick. And I think he knows exactly what needs to be done. A, he's he's going to take Dotson away. No, no. He, you're going to see uh, Sean Clifford is going to get targeted in this game. And it's yeah. going to be it's going to be uh, fair play. It won't be cheap shots, but. Greg Schiano knows that the more the more body blows this kid takes this late in the year. Like how many times did we watched Dave in the Michigan game? I didn't think he was going to get up. It was like four or five times. He was well, pulverized. They were running safeties at yeah. this this kid from Indiana. I think it was Avery Young just yeah. ran at him from from like twenty yards deep in the second. Well, that's what Michigan did on one of the sacks of uh, Clifford. A safety came on a delayed blitz and planted yeah. him. Yeah. So uh, I think that I think that that is absolutely part of the game plan, and I think it's part of college football. 
Paul, but Shiano's no dummy. Like just like James knew he had to find a way to kept, keep those edge rushers off of Clifford. He couldn't do it. I mean, maybe they were that good or maybe the, maybe Mike, Mike uh, Yurcich didn't take it seriously enough, but that absolutely killed them. Greg Shiano will not make that mistake. He knows exactly what he has to do. And we'll talk about it in our second podcast, but he's going to come after Clifford with everything. And even if it means Dave giving up a big play, or even if it means maybe a roughing the passer uh, penalty, I think he's prepared to do it because he knows that Rutgers is one big hit away from maybe taking over that game. Yeah, and and what do you got to lose? Nothing. What do you got to lose at this point? I mean, it's not, like, it's not like you're risking anything. You're not risking no. a damn thing. Your guys are all jacked up. They're, they came off of the biggest point differential win in not just their Big Ten history, but any league history, including the old Big East. They've never won a league game by five touchdowns before, like they did against Indiana. I mean, they were throwing tackle eligible passes to uh, to, to their late left tackle for touchdowns. That's where their mindset is. They're happy. They still want to play, and they're going against a team that could be a little morose, and maybe they don't want to play. And maybe Penn State's guys. Uh, their better players are thinking about the NFL at this point. That's only natural Absolutely. for Absolutely. a team with high aspirations against a team with low aspirations where one is rising, the other one's falling. I, I, the Penn State will do well just to win the game, and James Franklin will do well just to win the game. I think any win is a good win at this point. If Rutgers upsets Penn State Saturday, I will give you a shout-out because of your uh, preseason call on Rutgers. It's one of maybe – your finer predictive moments, I think, in recent Penn State football history. Because you kind of hinted strongly that this Rutgers team was more than capable of doing some things to ups- upset the apple cart at the start of the season. So if it happens, I'll remember you were on it first. Well, I don't know if I'm going to pick them. I mean, I just don't know if uh, you got to. You got to. It's seven. It's eighteen. What do you have to lose? I'll certainly, to- I'll certainly take the 18. But sure. I mean... They're, the Penn State's just got a lot more players it, you, right. it, because it smacks of something gratuitous. Sure. I mean, you have to act like you're, you have a gun to your head or you're going to lose your home if you lose when you make these picks. You can't just, like, throw crap at the wall like right. picking Rutgers third in the East. <laughs> <laughs> You've never thrown crap at the wall. No, no, never. Um, no, but it is, if it happens, I will make sure that, I am aware, as we've referenced multiple times on the Blue White Breakdown podcast way back in August and September, I think the Penn State fans know you had a pretty good feeling about Rutgers. We'll see how it plays out, but uh, I'll be curious to see what you pick, uh, and I'll I'll look forward to that in our next edition of the Blue White Breakdown. You can. I had to do one more. (laughs) I'm going to do a movie scene before we leave. All right. You You curious? I'm curious. Are you curious? What is it? What is it? Uh, I, I, oh, come on, man. I'm, ba- I'm baffled. It's Dennis Hopper in Apocalypse Now with Martin oh, Sheen and he's in the cage. I mean, I think I've seen that giving him the cigarette? Come on. Once. Once. Like, what? Come on. What? It takes, it's like seven hours long. It's one of the greatest movies of all time. I can't, I can't talk to you anymore. All right, good. Let's just pop, walk. Pop just, just stock off. Go ahead. <laughs> I think I earned it. Just get All up right. out of the chair and to call, say I'm out of order and just walk away. All right, that's it. See you guys with uh, round two of the Blue White Breakdown podcast later this week. 
This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>